Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 2, Episode 22 of Farscape. Die Me Dichotomy. I don't, I don't know what the title means. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was, as we started, I was just thinking, I've never known what that title means. I probably should have Googled before we started, but I didn't. So here we are. I mean, it's a cool title. I also have no idea how it relates to what happens in the episode, but eh. Now, before we start, should we let our viewers know that you have a shriveled stone where your heart should be? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I know this was a big emotional moment in Farscape or whatever, but. I'm 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 just teasing you. It's fine. I actually put it out there on Twitter that a- asking other people if they were able to be, you know, emotionally upset, if they were able to be upset by moments in a TV show when a character dies, if you know because of the way television works that they're not going to stay dead. Like to be fair at the end of Avengers Endgame, I was wait, Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War. At the end of Infinity War, when everybody was like, oh no, it's like, well, no, I mean... Tom Holland signed up for three more Spider-Man movies, they're, they're we know. They're coming back. I, I, can't, I can't get worked up about that. Also, we read the comics that these were based off of, and I come back at the end of those. Yeah. And then start in 40 more years of comics. Although now I'm offended that I've compared Avengers to Farscape, which is a far, far better piece of fiction. Mm-hmm. So, as a reminder, John has a little chip that has Scorpius in his brain, and he's messing around with him. And at the end of the last episode, he's like, Hey, Dargo, I'm going insane because there's a chip in my brain, so can you kill me? In this episode, we find out if Dargo's going to kill John. He's not. He doesn't. That doesn't happen. Not in this episode. Mm, F and Dargo. So, this episode opens with Zan being all upset because as you'll recall moya has been burned like really really badly burned you mean to burn moya you would burn moya as pilot put it that seems like a real uh, nerd call i feel like you say that in a bar and if anyone responds you're like ha nerd exactly i just like talking about farscape yeah i wasn't trying to invoke the uh episode of community where abed talks about farscape at a bar but it, it, it just happened to come up. Maybe because we just saw him in Gilmore Girls. Poor Danny Pudi. He got, like, no roles for so long. Well, I mean, he got cast in Community, and now he was in, um... He's in Mystic Quest, which I haven't seen, but I understand he's really great in it. In fact, it might be the thing that pushes me over the edge to get yet another streaming service and watch Apple TV. He was also uh, in DuckTales, as we know from Larry uh, King's last interview before Larry, he died. I'm on DuckTales. Yeah. That is that's that such is, an amazing clip. It's It was such an amazing moment that it killed Larry King. Has enough time elapsed so we can make jokes about Larry King being dead? Yeah, sure. Also, he was like 500 years old. Yeah, it's died. fine. It's fine. I, that, that might be my favorite interview moment ever of all time. Mm-hmm. All right, give me a luxury. Which, what luxury should I have? Private plane. Larry, I'm on DuckTales. You know, Ben Shorts was the blue one. I'm aware. Because he has this thing about playing blue characters. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even realize because he's also Sonic. Yeah. Huh. Weird. Yeah. I'm kind of a little disappointed they didn't have Lou wear blue in MODOK, just as a nod to that. Right? Huh. Anyway, speaking of blue. 
Yes. Zan is all like, oh no, Moya has been burned and it's terrible. And the thing is, look, it is terrible. But then Rigel comes in and he's like, hey, do you want some of these gemstones? And Zan's like, you're a terrible person for even thinking about gemstones. And Rigel's like, well, um, listen, bitch. While you were in here being all like, oh, I'm performatively sad. We were finding a ship doctor who can fix Moya. And we're going to spend the bulk of the money we just stole paying that doctor to fix Moya. I mean, to be a little fair to Zan, I'm pretty sure she's still psychically absorbing Moya's pain. Oh, I thought you were going to say, to be fair to Zan, who would ever guess that Rigel would do something like that? Yeah, Rigel's basically as non-shitty as he's ever been in this episode. This is the least shitty Rigel has ever been in the show. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, then we see John in his quarters, and he's repeatedly breaking a mirror where he sees... Scorpius. Mm. He sees himself as... Well, he... He starts off seeing Scorpius, and then he sees himself as Scorpius in the Scorpius makeup. And he keeps breaking the mirror over and over and over again. And, you know. But not really, because there's not actually a mirror there. Yeah. As Aaron points out, Aaron runs into the room and she's like, John, we're we're all worried about your mounting insanity, so if you could, like, cut it out, we would really appreciate that. You know what I was going to say, but Moya being burned kind of... It's not a plot hole, but it solves this for me. Hmm. I was like, now would be a really good time to freeze John. Yeah, but Moya can't. She's been burned. Yeah. Yeah. That was always a little bit of a thing with me for Moya. Like, whenever, oh no, Zan's shooting out spores because, although I guess maybe the freezing would have killed her because she's a plant person. You know what? Never mind. I guess it's not really a hole. (laughs) It seems odd that Rigel could be frozen and brought back. Like, it feels like if he could, then maybe anyone could. Well, he's amphibious. Yeah, that might make a difference. It probably makes a difference. So, yeah, Aaron decides to yell John into sanity, which is always effective. There are no therapists in space. Except for Counselor Troy. She is not in the uncharted territories. Her territories are well charted. I did not. I did not. Be that like that. I mean, I was going to say, were they? Because I thought the whole thing with Star Trek was exploring new boundaries or whatever. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess she does. Technically work in the uncharted territories. Huh, well, I don't, I don't want to get too into this. We'll, we'll probably touch on this when we do our next podcast, Welcome to the Q Continuum. Hmm. But... The Enterprise D doesn't really go to that many uncharted territories other than in Encounter at Farpoint, so... The first and, as I'm told, worst episode of uh, Next Gen. Yes, but it is a Q episode, so we will talk about it in Welcome to the Q Continuum. Eh, it's a Q episode when it remembers to be one. It's... He disappears for long stretches in the middle, and then they're like, oh yeah, that guy that... Yeah, you're right. It's more Q is more of like a plot device there than he is a character being being the character of Q. Hmm. So in Farscape, they have brought Moya to a magic doctor bug person. The diagnostician. Yeah. I don't know if he's a bug person. He always struck me as like kind of a skeletal person. Hmm. He has kind of like a, a sunken no-nose baby face. And then that, he, that just made me think bug. I, I don't know. I guess 
guess I could see that. Yeah. Well, the the carapace that he has that covers his face is artificial, but he has an artificial thing that covers his face, and he also has like his own Igor. I don't love that his species is kind of defined by the thing that he does for a career. I don't want to go back to it because I feel like we kind of drove that joke just right into the ground, but it kind of reminds me of Litigaria, the lawyer planet. Oh, see, I um didn't interpret this that way at all. I, I didn't... They call him the diagnostician, but I assume that that's a job title, not his race. And I assumed that he, this was something he in particular could do, not that it was something that his race could do. I assumed it was a race-specific thing just because a lot of his doctor ability seems very tied up with his sensing stuff when he's like... So we haven't talked about it yet because the episode hasn't gotten to it, but his deal is that he has super, super sensitive senses and he can like smell disease and his his senses can detect all the things that you would usually use instruments to detect here in, in on Earth. Um, but as a result, it could all kill him, like, instantly. And so that's why he has the mask that he keeps over his face, but that's also what makes him a great doctor. See, I always assumed he was, like, Michael J. Fox's character in Scrubs. Where he has OCD, and it's made him an amazing surgeon because he's used it to, like, hyper-focus on, like, becoming really steady with his hands and stuff like that. Hmm. I just assumed it was, like, a thing the species did because they have this innate ability to sense crap. Although, as, uh, as Scorpius points out later in the episode, it's kind of a double-edged sword because... They're very sensitive, which means they're very vulnerable to everything killing them, but also they're doctors, which means they're, by their nature, in close contact with people who would have things that would kill them. Right. Well, see, I always figured that was just something about this particular guy, that that, that was what he chose to do because of his, um, because of his, his weakness. The way that, like, ADD can sometimes be a strength because it allows you to multitask or hyperfocus, but, you know, usually it just means that you have executive dysfunction and you sit there, like, not moving. Hmm. So, they get into a thing with the doctor's bodyguard, His PR Igor. guy. His Igor. His Igor. His guy who talks to everyone else. You know that episode of Bob's Burgers where Tina burns her tongue and then... Louise interprets for her, mm-hmm. and Tina's like, no, Jimmy Jr., I just want to go on a date with you where you do whatever you want, and I don't, and I, and I sublimate my needs, and Louise is like, Tina says to hit the bricks, and he's like, wow, I, I'm attracted to you now. That's, that's what this guy is, because the diagnostician is like, I mean, we, we can't understand his language, it's like, Gleep chirps, orbs. yeah, but... We, we can tell from his tone and body language that he's saying something to the effect of, no, I want to fix a Leviathan. It will be great. I've never done something like that before. And I will do it just for the experience, just for the exposure. And <laughs> yeah. And the Igor uh, Grunchik is like, he says you need to give him a million quatloos. Grunchik. Just, uh, just went with the first draft name there, huh? Eh. It's not Litigaria. 
So Moya's people kind of go to discuss it. By that I mean Aaron's like, you know what? I don't feel like dealing with this. John's kind of going nuts and I need to deal with him. So Dargo, just beat up this guy or do whatever. I don't care. Just get Moya fixed and I'm going to go panic about one of the three giant pains in my ass in my life that I have to worry about all the time now. Wait, wait, what are the three giant pains in her ass? Can you guess? Is it, okay, so it's John with his stupid ship. Mm-hmm. It's, um, Dargo going off in a rage at everything. No. Oh. Uh, Rigel trying to steal everything? No. Wait, what are the other two? Okay, I give up then. Um, what's his face? Baby ship. Talon. Talon. And honestly, Moya. I mean, it's not her fault, but okay, yeah, I see it. I mean, it's not Talon's fault either. He's a baby with guns, but... I love that Farscape... Farscape had the nerve to be like, you know what would be fucking terrifying? A toddler with guns! <laughs> and as as the parent of a toddler? You are correct, Farscape. That is fucking chilling. Oh my god! But see, the only reason they can all be pains in her ass is because she loves them and can't just shoot them. Mm, yeah. Which I'm still willing to bet she would do with a lot of the crew of Moya. No, you're, you're right. I was just about to say, if Rigel was as much a pain in her ass as Talon and, and John are, she would definitely shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. So now we are going to start to see John walking around the ship in Scorpius's leather suit so that we know that the chip has, like, completely taken over his brain. Yes, this is John from John's perspective, so we know that he's taken over by Scorpius, he's got the Scorp makeup, he's got the S&M gear, but everyone else is just seeing normal John, because they don't know that he's been taken over by Chip Scorpius. Right. Also, don't forget that Dargo's son, Jothi, has joined them now, and Dargo's all like, hey, as long as we're seeing this doctor who can basically fix everything, why don't we fix your tentacles? And Jothi's like, uh, no, Dad, I cut them off myself because I still kind of hate Luxons. So, you know, we're, we're not completely better yet. I still kind of blame you for everything that went down. So what is Jothi wearing? It's an odd outfit. Really? I never, I never thought to... To... Well, he's got this kind of weird round yellow hat thing. Like, oh, yeah, I what? always assumed that was just, like, the costumer finding a way, a, a cheating way to make it easy to put tentacles on his head. Mm. That's that's what it looks like. It looks like when I'm wearing a bad wig, like a, a cheap wig. It's like when I'm wearing a cheap wig and I put a hat over it to hide the line where it hits my, my head. Because I'm not spending, you know, $2,000 on a lace front wig for a Halloween costume. Mm. Maybe. If I had $2,000. Let's be honest, if I had $2,000 to spend, I would absolutely spend it on that. But I don't. So, she... If you want to help me have $2,000 to spend on a lace front wig for my dumbass cosplays, then uh, feel free to donate to our Patreon. So, Chiana goes over to check in with Dargo about the status of their relationship, because he was a raging asshole to her last episode of, you know... The only woman I ever loved is uh, Jothi's mom, my dead wife, my dead wife who died. And she's like, so are we still dating? Because it kind of seemed like you dumped me, but 
I'm not really sure. It's so weird because I've been rewatching Gilmore Girls just to have something on in the background that I've already watched a million times. Mm-hmm. And this is so the plot where Luke finds out that he has that daughter, April, and then completely tanks his relationship with Lorelai because he's like, no, I can't have a relationship and also deal with the fact that I suddenly have a teenage daughter. Even though, like, everything with her is as perfect as it could possibly be. It is beyond me that people in Stars Hollow are attracted to Luke because everyone acts like he's this mega hunk all the time. And I'm like, really? It's like, it's like a Jane Austen novel, Max. He's the only eligible bachelor in town. And he owns property. He does. Whenever, I, I never recognize him when he's not wearing his hat. So I just, I'm like... Is that guy not wearing a hat being a giant asshole? Because if he is, it's probably Luke. Yeah. But what you have to understand is, if you live in Stars Hollow and you're not a Gilmore, what's your other option other than Luke Danes? Kirk? I was about to say, you could could date Sean Gunn's brother. Yeah, Kirk. Sean Gunn. James Gunn's brother. James Gunn's brother, yes. Speaking of James Gunn, remember when he ripped off Farscape to make Guardians of the Galaxy? Brought it back. Brought it back to Farscape! So, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe Dargo and Chiana are the Luke and Lorelai of, uh, of Farscape. Except Chiana's not a, you know, horrible garbage person with no soul. Yeah, no, really, they're, they're the Angel and Cordelia of Moya. Lorelai's a monster! Rory's kind of a monster, too, but she's younger, so it's harder to blame her. Until you get to the sequel series where she's ten years older and still acting like a teenage monster. I mean, it just, it it doesn't help that everyone acts like the sun shines out of her ass all the time for... Rory? Yeah, for no reason. Oh like, my god, Rory, world's worst reporter. But, oh, she's so perfect at everything, and oh, you really blew your chance, Jess or Dean or whoever, I... Jess, right? Jess was Jess and Dean are her t- are two of her boy. You 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 pulled out two of her three boyfriends. Yeah, yeah. And and Logan didn't mess up at all. Logan proposes to her, and she's like, "Nope, sorry, I'm gonna go be on the uh, the Obama news pool instead." And then, even though that should mean that when we come back to her ten years later, she has a great career, she's just like bumming around, having sold a single feature. Hmm. And just kind of riding the wave of that, or yeah. Like, she goes to meet with somebody who's like, great, so what's your next feature? And she's like, I was going to turn this feature into a book. And they're like, no, that's not, no, no. <laughs> you, you need to keep writing. You need to keep producing something new every, every week. Rory? I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, one of those older people you hear about on the internet. But also, she's just so entitled and it's all based off of stuff, which, granted, I'm usually half-watching Gilmore Girls and, you know, we jump around a lot. But it seems like people are constantly, you know, breaking their backs to suck her dick over nothing. Well, you know what Rory really reminds me of? What? The way Aaron Sorkin thinks studio 60 is on studio 60 on the sunset strip yeah where everyone's like this tv show is gonna save the world yeah everyone's talking about her like she's an aaron sorkin protagonist like she's this brilliant visionary perfect person and i'm like she's fine she's way better than you would expect a child of lorelei to be i guess 
But, like, she's also kind of an asshole all the time to most people. Look, I've had bad days, and you know what I've never done when I was having a bad day? What? Stolen a fucking boat! And then been like, oh, it's having a bad day! Rory. Rory. And, like, Luke threatening to beat up Jess if he says hi to Rory after- His own nephew! His own nephew after he left town after flunking out of school. God, the whole thing with Luke- Poor Jess. He poor, just he just needed Jess. an adult who was on his side. Mm. We see that because as soon as he goes off on his own, he's basically a success. And you know, in his own Yeah. In his own way, right? Like he does what he's living the life he wants to be living, even though it means, you know, having to share an apartment with ten other guys. Yeah, but he's not with Luke anymore, which is good. Mm-hmm. Right. Because... And he has his he has his own like small print publisher. Yeah. So, I, I didn't mention it, but the reason I've been re-watching Gilmore Girls is because I've been reading this amazing newsletter called Gilmore Women, mm-hmm. where they break down everything wrong with every episode of Gilmore Girls, and it's just really, like, making my day every week when it... I guess it's making my week. It's making my week every week when it lands on my inbox. So, yeah. Farscape. So, John is messing with stuff down in the bowels of Moya, and... Yeah. Uh, Possibly literally. Yeah. And Crace, who's outside in Talon, is like, um, Aaron, do you know that John is sending out a signal? Like, he's sending out a peacekeeper signal? And Ar- I kind of love that Aaron and Crace are just sort of buddies now. Right? It's like, you know, that's the thing about peacekeepers. He He did, you know, name her persona non grata and, like, put out a bounty on her. But, you know, that was weeks ago. <laughs> so... This is, like, this is weird because it's both heartbreaking and incredibly awkward. Mm. If this was charmed, I would say I'm definitely astral projecting here. Because Aaron is, like, confessing her love and John is completely taken over by the chip. Aaron's like, look, I just, I don't know what's going on with you, but I need you to know that I love you. And John's like, I love you too. Except that he's lying because he's Scorpius. And then he bangs her head against the back of the bulkhead and knocks her unconscious. Doubt. I mean, obviously that's what happens in the context of this show, but, like, really? It, it seems unlikely that John would be able to knock Aaron out like that. She's such a tough lady. Well, I mean, and it doesn't matter how, how much muscle she has, the back of the skull is only as thick as the back of the skull. Yeah, I mean, bonk. He just kind of lightly boops her head against the wall, and she's like, oh no, I'm unconscious, I guess. Boop. I I don't know. I feel like we've seen Aaron take way more physical damage than this, but whatever. (laughs) Back on talent. It's TV. Exactly, right? People get knocked out on TV in ways that are unrealistic and also would cause so much damage in real life all Mm. the time, so. Anyway, over on Talon, Crace is having a conversation with Talon where he's like, oh, Oh, the secret thing that we know? Well, we'll tell Aaron the secret, our secret of secretness, if she decides to join us. But she has to decide on her own to join us before we tell her this secret that the audience can't know about. Well, they're playing that one close to the vest, eh, Talon and or Crace. So I'm just curious, because we don't find out by the end of this episode. Do you have a guess as to what the thing is? Um, is Talon pregnant now? I, I, I don't know. 
did Moya have other kids? Is is Talon in contact with other Leviathans and he's going to start a Leviathan rebellion? No, remember they have a chip that has information on it. Oh, yeah. But we don't, but we don't know what that information is. I, I completely forgot that. Okay. Does it have information that will help with their Leviathan rebellion? No, it's it's where her mother is. Where Aaron's mother is. Oh, okay. What an odd thing to keep close to the vest. Well, they don't want to be like, hey, Aaron, if you join us, we'll help you find your mother. But they want her to join on her own and then they'll help her find her mother. Mm. They're not like, hey, Aaron, if something should happen to you, we have information where we can find your mom and any identical siblings with similar personalities you may have. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Wait, this isn't going to go all Xena, is it? No, it's it's not, but interesting. Are they going to pull a Gamora from, I'm assuming spoilers don't matter anymore because... If it's over a year, I feel like it doesn't matter anymore. The whole time-displaced Gamora thing from uh, Infinity War, right? Or no, the other one. Endgame? Uh, Endgame. Yeah. No, no, that's not what they're going to do. They're not going to time displace her back to life no if something should happen to her this episode well i mean since we don't worry about spoiling the ends of the episodes that we're talking about because we're talking about that episode um i'm gonna go ahead and say that you 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 may have called it when we were watching the episode where you were like wait but they specifically said she's not dead she's frozen a moment before death right Mm. yeah you you might you might have been onto something there mostly dead (laughs) right exactly well i mean they've do a whole song and dance about you know the doctor's thing where they have like an organ bank where they freeze their patients that are about to die moments before death so they can use super fresh organs yes and or maybe find a way to bring them back but usually mostly the organ thing yeah yeah so Dargo and Jothi have a quick walk and talk, speaking of Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. where Dargo's like, so John's sending out a signal that only high-level peacekeepers know, so he has definitely been taken over by the chip. And then Jothi goes to talk to John, who we see, yes, is in complete Scorpius makeup. He has been completely taken over by the chip. He has been scorped, if you will. He is scorped. John gonna scorp. Yeah, John gonna scorp. And Jothi is like, hey, bro, don't make me fight you, bro. I can take you out, bro. Come on, bro. I'm my, I'm my dad's kid. And John takes him out like a punk. And he's like, yeah, look, you are your dad's kid. But then Dargo's like, ha, Jothi was just a distraction. And he uses his whip tongue to take out John. His whip tongue, which I feel like you say he doesn't use often enough. It's true. He should use it more. Also... Like, you just got your kid back. You really want to start using him as bait, but... That's why he missed him so much! I didn't have anyone to use as bait. You know how you know how Batman goes through Robin's, like, you know, Kleenex? Oh, grim. Grim. I probably should have said cell phones. That would have been less gross. So, back on the planet, John is going to ask the diagnostician to take out the chip. Because, you know... It's taken over his body. It's made him attack people. It's it's no good. No good at all. Yes. He's been strapped into, not a chair. No, it's a table. He's strapped to a table. Mm-hmm. Honestly, way more than the chair. This reminds me of so many scenes in Grey's Anatomy. 
Uh, especially because uh, Dr. McDreamy, mm-hmm. the, the, the first sexy doctor, uh, is a neurosurgeon. So we see people strapped down like this all the time with their with their skull opened up. Yeah. So I do like that uh, Stark is in there and Stark's kind of serving as a translator because as a death helper man, he, he, he has a... Death helper man! Yeah, he's got a lot of experience with... Uh, doctors yeah yeah he's very doctor adjacent in his career hmm. anyway we also learned that in the surgical suite there's like a special light that they turn on that makes it so that it's completely sterile and the diagnostician can take his 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 mask off and do his thing and his thing is to pull out john's brain and then kind oh. of lift the bits of the chip that have been burned because the chip has been putting tendrils of evilness through john's brain oh my god it's so horrifying and it's the horrifyingness is so well done it's like it looks like like spider legs stretching out over john's brain like these black tendrils that have worked their way into everything and the diagnostician's like oh yeah that thing is fucking everywhere that's not coming out this isn't rocket science, it's brain surgery. <laughs> and, Except the opposite, because this will be very difficult. And, like, anyone can repair a rocket. Right? The Igor even, like, drops his whole, like... Ooh, we can do this for money, shtick. And he's like, yeah, this guy's boned. <laughs> like, yeah, my guy's the best in the universe, but come on, even he has limits. Yeah. And the doctor's like, although... Although I might be able to do it, but at the cost of some memories it's like okay we're suddenly singing a really different tune from this is completely impossible but okay well i mean it's a huge risk but it's a risk that john's going to be willing to take after the events of this episode i'm kind of impressed that dargo didn't immediately murder him when he's like hey dargo kill me at the end of the last episode but yeah because it seemed like dargo would have been like okay okay it does it does seem like he would be like that doesn't it hmm So, two very important things happen right now that seem like they're unrelated, but are actually very related. All right. Chiana's like, hey, uh, Darko, can we have a relationship, or is that just off the table now that you have a son? And Darko's like, I've been looking for my son for so long. I have to deal with my son, Chiana. And also, Stark is spraying this gas that gets Moya super, super high so that the diagnosis can do his job. I, I know that, like, in every episode, someone gets high, basically, yes. but it's not usually Pilot. It's I. It's nice that we get to see Pilot stoned for once. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's not normally Moya. But right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Tomato to host alien thing. <laughs> tomato to symbiote driver. <laughs> Symbiotic driver. Anyway, uh, John is, like, handcuffed now because... He can't be trusted not to physically attack people anymore. Yeah, and he's like, Aaron, why are you mad at me? I'm sorry I knocked you unconscious. Did I did I say anything bad? Like, did I happen to confess that I was in love with you and now you're pissed off because it turns out it was just the alien who's hijacked my brain fucking with you? So this incredibly awkward conversation gets interrupted by Igor, who's like, hey, see this frozen wasteland we're in? This is the near corpse storage place of the doctor because 
when he can't quite save a patient, we just stick them in this frozen wall so that we can use their organs later. And you have to agree to do that if something goes wrong with your incredibly risky procedure. And John's like, so these people are all nearly but not quite dead. And the guy's like, yes, all of the people in here are perhaps seconds from death, but yet are still alive for maximum organ freshness. Now, to be fair, he says that they are all in such a state that they would not survive being thawed. And that the doctor will not take an organ donor who could be saved. Like, that's part of his moral code. And Zan, who we've already established, is, like, being a little more. melodramatic this episode. Yes. It's like, this is an abomination! And I'm like, mm, is it? Like, I, I this the, the show wants us to be asking this moral question, and I, I think it's a good moral... It's, like, an, it's an interesting philosophical thing, right? I don't think the Ellen's doing anything wrong. Right, but the question here for John mm-hmm. is not in the abstract, is not, is what the doctor's doing wrong? Because I agree with you, it's not, I, I don't think that it's wrong. But it's, can you take an organ donation from one of these guys? Because one of them is a race that's close enough to human that they can use tissue. And so this guy is alive, even though he's alive in a state that he cannot survive, he will die as soon as he's unfrozen. But John's actions will be the actions that cause his death. So, like, John has to decide if that's a thing he can do. Mm. It's like, so, the trolley problem, right? Everyone knows the trolley problem since A Good Place came out, right? Yes. And a lot of people from before. Yes, yes. But yes, that was the big thing, I think, that got into the public consciousness. But something that's interesting about the trolley problem, which is, just in case you don't know, uh, trolley is coming down the track, it's gonna hit, you know, five people, um, or you can throw a switch and it'll switch tracks and hit just one person, do you throw the switch? And then there are all these variations on it, and when they put people in fMRI machines to, like, see what their brain does, to, to see what part of their brain lights up when they're given the trolley problem, mm-hmm. if they're asked, would you flip a switch to do it? a different part of their brain lights up than if the variant is you could push someone in front of the trolley and it would keep it from hitting the five other people. So if you have to take, like, a physical action where you would hurt the person, it activates, like, the lizard part of our brain and not the analytical part of our brain. Well, I don't think I would do it if it was shoving a person in front of the trolley because... I would not have faith that that would stop the trolley. I mean, for I know. The, for the purpose of I the... know for the purpose of the question, you have to know. But I feel like you would just accidentally kill an extra person by doing that. You know, it's interesting. My friend who is a philosophy professor, mm-hmm. he... Otherwise, wouldn't it just kill the first person it hits when it goes down to the six people? Well, so the the... That problem is usually presented as, like, it's a really large person that will stop the trolley. Hmm. And when he gives that example, he always describes the person as, like, really muscular, like a linebacker. Specifically because he worried that the way it's phrased normally would activate people's, like, latent fat phobia. Hmm. And affect the way they answered the question. I feel like we got really off topic here. So, anyway, all these accident victims are frozen a second before death, and the question is, like, can John ethically take their tissue? Yes. 
And it's like a second of the show, and John's like, yeah, okay. And Zan's like, no, this is evil. Jesus Christ, Zan. But also, remember, John doesn't know where Earth is, so the fact that there are three people who are similar to him is like, wait, so are we close to Earth? Is this like Stargate situation? Like, why are there three people who are almost human here? And there's an answer that's kind of like, look, there's a lot of races in the universe that have some, like, distant star ancestor that sent space genetic material out that landed on different planets. Like, it's not really that weird. Like, it's not like a super common thing, but space is a really big place. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into there being aliens with compatible DNA. Also, they don't look anything human-like, so, yeah. Yeah. So, Chiana's having a discussion with Jothi in Pilot's Den, where she's like, I don't know why your dad is such a dick. Ever since you showed up, your dad's been a total dick. Ever since Jothi's shown up. Yes. And that that was the point where Dargo started being a massive dick. Well, yeah. Anyway, this is important because Jothi's like, my dad wants to, like, buy a farm and be a farmer. And I definitely don't want to do that. And Shiana's like, yeah, I don't either. And by the way, he hasn't invited me. And then Stoned Pilot is like, oh, that reminds me. Dargo was really embarrassingly practicing asking you to move to the farm in front of my DRGs. Do you want to see a video of it? Yeah, yeah, and Jothi's like, I really felt like I was going to get the chance to nail Shiana, and I feel like that's kind of slipping through my fingers right now. I mean, is it? Because they're both like, oh no, Dargo, they're both like, Dargo is taking this way more seriously than I am, even though they have very different relationships with him. Mm. Like, we're not ready to settle down, but respectively as child and wife. Like, some someone's, you know, entering adulthood and is now no longer a slave, so he wants to get out there and see the universe, and the other one's Chiana, who uh, doesn't want to be tied down like that. Meanwhile, Rigel's being not shitty, and it's very odd. Well, he is... He is not... Um, I was going to say he's not plotting... But he's actually not plotting against anyone. He's like, hey, look, it's the end of the season, so we have to do this thing we're going to do now where at the end of the season we all go our separate ways. So uh, I I need you to help me find passage out of here, away from here. I definitely can't be on a non-starbursting Leviathan with a guy with a chip in his head who, you know, frequently turns into the guy who's stalking us that we just stole a lot of shit from. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's being kind of played like Rigel's betraying everyone again, but, I mean, he's not. It's, it's all perfectly reasonable, and it's not like anyone likes Rigel, so... Yeah, he may as well. It's not a huge deal. Well, one of the things that continually amuses me about Farscape is that at the end of every season, it seems like the crew splits up for various reasons, and then the next season, they're like, oh no, we have to find each other! And they act like they've been separated by force when in fact it was just, you know, people drifting away. They had shit to do. It happens. <sighs> so, Hey, remember how we were going to keep track of all of the times that... John 
kills Zan. Yeah, let's hang on to that for next week. Okay. So Zan talks about how she wants the goddess to bless John, and I feel like her religion hasn't super had a, I don't know, theological component to it now. I feel like maybe she made references to the goddess before. She's, but... she's absolutely made references to the goddess before. Also, Zan's religion was heavily influenced by Virginia Hayes' like, 60s hippie Wiccanism, mm. so yeah. Vague goddess-ness. Yeah. So, I don't know, it, it just, it really seems like one of those self-reliant religions, but I guess Wicca is kind of a self-reliant religion. Yeah. Gods accepted. So, John, who is, of course, completely taken over by Scorpius, is like, hey, Zan, I want to tell you something important, but, you know, an important message to give to my family, but it's so important, and I'm so sick that I can't say it out loud, so... You need to do the brain sex with me so that I can put it into your head. Unity. Remember when you used brain sex to kill that guy? Don't worry about that. Do brain sex with me right now. So, Zen fairly quickly realizes, oh wait, this was a terrible, terrible idea. Because, you know, about two seconds into brain sex, it's like, oh, this is just all Scorpius. Oh, this was such a bad idea. Yeah. So over on Talon, Crace is trying to convince Aaron to come on over to the to Team Talon. And come on, it's super fun. We can hang out in space. We can both have ponytails together. We can we can find a giant ponytail wig store and buy a giant one for Talon. It can be our thing. Oh my god, like truck nuts, but like truck tails. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should see if that's a thing. We Maybe should. that can be the next big dumb trend. <laughs> I appreciate that Crace is like, hey, I know that you were raised in like a peacekeeper creche, but I was raised by parents who loved me, so I understand what family is. So you should definitely come over here and not be with your found family over on Moya. It, it can be like, you'll be the mommy and I'll be the daddy and we'll live inside our giant gun-having war child. That's exactly what it will be like. So, then John Scorpius, you know, takes the Farscape one and heads out and is like, Hey, Aaron, don't follow me because I am definitely not in control of myself right now. Okay, so did he, like, use Zan's taken over body to free himself? How'd that work? Yeah. Okay. It feels like Zan should have been... Smarter than that? I was gonna say better at side combat than that. It seems very odd that she got taken out by Chip Scorpius. So he specifically says to her, and this is such a like hand wave, but he specifically says, ah, a 12th level Pa'u would have been powerful enough to break this, but you are only 10th level. I know, it's such uh, a hand wave. But there we are. Like, really? Really, Chip Scorpius knows psychic kung fu chip scorpius knows all sorts of stuff from out here in the uncharted territories i mean zin took on maldus who is like a god basically and the leviathan god who is also like a god yeah no you're right i, I mean you're, you're right they hand waved it but you're right she should have been a she should have been able to resist Anyway, John's like, Aaron, don't follow me because I'm definitely Scorpius. And Aaron is like, I will follow you. God, what is this once upon a time now? 
I will find you. I will always find you. So speaking of people who like should know things that they don't know, mm-hmm. they're doing like this dog fighting thing in the in the ships, and John Scorpius has flown the ship way down into the atmosphere of the planet, and he points out that John is used to flying in atmosphere, and Aaron is not. So John actually has the advantage here. Yeah, Aaron only flies in space, but starship fights are different than airplane fights. There's a whole different kind of physics involved. I mean, there is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, you know, starship, dogship fighting on the planet. Also, Aaron's actively trying not to blow up John, which... Chip Scorpius has really no issue with trying to kill Aaron, so it's also sort of an unfair fight on that level. There's even a moment where Dargo says to Aaron on the comm, he's like, hey, if you have a chance to take out John, you know that he would rather you take him out than that he live like this. And Aaron's like, yeah, I fucking know that. And Dargo's like, well, I'm only saying it because if we were switched, I probably wouldn't be able to take him out, which is a character growth moment. Yeah, it's definitely something for Dargo to admit that. Yeah. So the fight goes on and then John defeats her in this horrifying way by being on top of her ship and then lowering his ship down onto hers, crushing it. Which is interesting because the whole thing is Aaron's not used to flying in atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But usually spaceship fights... And again, to bring up Welcome to the Q Continuum, we will definitely talk about this in Encounter at Farpoint. A lot of times sci-fi shows don't think about the fact that you can move in all directions in space. Well, it's one of my favorite jokes from Futurama when the environmentalists do that protective ring around Pluto and the Planet Express ship just moves up and over them because space is, you know, in all dimensions. So. Right, yeah. So <laughs> They're like... I forgot that it's a spaceship and it can just move like that. Yeah, so, like, they're taking advantage of the fact that this is a spaceship and they can move like that, even though they're dealing with... Atmosphere. Atmosphere. I just... I I think that this is a really well-done moment. So, Aaron is... You know, her ship is completely disabled. She has to eject her seat, and she's able to do so, but, um... She's going straight into freezing water. Yeah, her... and she's going to super die. I would think that she'd be better in that than, like, humans, given the whole weakness to heat thing. I'd think they'd thrive in the cold, but whatever. She's going to drown. She's going to break through the ice of the frozen lake, and she's going to drown. Because yeah. the the chair she's in has, like, booster rockets. And she can't undo her harness because it's jammed from getting crushed on the, on the ship. So she's trying to, like, take off her harness. And... Chip Scorpius being the, like, sadistic bastard that he is, like, backs out of John's brain just long enough for John to be like, Aaron, you need to get out of the chair. And Aaron's like, people in hell need ice water, John. That's not happening. I'm, I, I, this is it. This is how I die. Now would have been a really good time to be carrying a giant knife with you. So, uh. I mean, honestly, I feel like if you're someone who is constantly fighting people in space, you should have a knife on you. Listen, when I was in law school, um, in torts class, I read enough horrifying stories of people dying in this way in car accidents yeah. that, yeah, keep keep a knife that's designed to cut the nylon of a seatbelt in your car. Yeah. 
Definitely. Anyway, as Aaron is dying, she says, you know, John, I hope that you actually did mean it, you know, in, in the Nexus chamber when you said that you loved me because I meant it when I said I loved you. And John's like, sure, I remember that. I was in control. Sure. Yeah, that was totally me. Okay, this is the part that makes me cry because John is in control again and he's like, this is not the way you die. You are not going to die like this. And Aaron's like, no, this is this is the way I die. This is just... This is what it is, and I love you, and now you have to live with the guilt of having killed me. And then, and this is what, this is what does it for me, is that Erin braces herself. Like, the reality of the direction of that, like, the reality of the bracing herself gets me. Like, it really grounds this moment for me. Mm. Yeah, so, Erin drowns. Like, gee goes through the ice, she bobs up a couple of times, and then she's dragged down by the chair. And John has to live with the fact that even though the chip was in control, it was, there. there is no, there is no universe where this was his fault, but that's not going to help him much. He's going to live with the guilt of that. He killed Aaron. And you know who I, who I might blame for this? Zan. Scorpius? Oh. Yes, I mean, obviously, Scorpius, but... Zan for not being able to deal with the, the brain thing? Also... For doing it, in the, for falling for it in the first place? It's the stupidest thing. Oh, I, I'm evil John who has brain tentacles in my brain, but I need someone to pop in there real quick and pick up my brain email. Really, Zan. Really. Oof. And then we see Aaron's funeral. And honestly, this gets me too, because they talk about how Aaron basically was born into a fascist society was raised to be a perfect you know fascist soldier and found a way to evolve and grow past that and become like a good and caring person and dargo puts his quilta blade in the the capsule with her which is really nice but also like really okay i guess you do you at least it's not one of his masturbation knives. Also, we see Chiana take Jothi's hand during the, uh... Wah, wah. Yeah. So, yeah, this, uh... This goes on for kind of a while. It's a, it's a pretty long thing. It kind of made me feel like the episode was over, but we still have some brain surgery to do. We're done with the rocket part, now we're on to the brain surgery. Yes, the... This episode both had rocket science and brain surgery. Wow. Yeah. Big episode. Oh, by the way, I just, I, this is like a, a weird, like, silly thing, but there's a shot during Aaron's funeral of Chiana with, like, the snow behind her, um, kind of looking up in grief, and, uh, that's the shot, that's the shot of Chiana that's often used as, like, the... Because it's so striking, visually. That's the shot of Chiana that's often used when people are, like, illustrating that character in various wikis. Mm. I, I, It's just, it, it's like seeing a meme in the wild. I was like, oh, that shot. I know that shot yeah. very well. <laughs> so, to be clear, Aaron is not actually dead. Like, they're in the corpse depository. She's just mostly dead. They stopped, they, they froze her a second before death. And she is in a state of living death, I guess, kind of. 
She's we're, like we're, stasis. we're assuming she's not conscious for this. We, we've already been told explicitly that people who are in this state, they don't feel it. They don't know they're in it. They're not in pain. They're not suffering. So you don't have to worry about Aaron. So John is like, yeah, so you, you do what I don't care if I die now. Just do what you have to do to take the chip out and kill me or not. Mm. And the diagnostician tells him, like, here's the deal. Um, because I've never seen your species before, I don't know what the deal is with your brain. So I'm going to pull on the tendril and you tell me what memory is stored there and if it's vital that I keep it or if I can lose it. Yeah. And he does that and we get we get several flashes. Um, you know what they remind me of? What? The flashes in Chuck where the... Oh, the intersect. Yeah, yeah, the intersect when it would activate and he would like learn stuff. And we it's rule of three, right? Yeah, I love how the the first one is like U.S. history, and he's like, "Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I don't really need that in space. You can just dump that." So now in the future, if he ever makes any references to Nixon, you can be like, "Plot hole, continuity error." It's U.S. history, Nixon to Clinton. So yeah, any of that, and then so rule three, the second one is all of his childhood dogs. So he's like, "Okay, keep that if you can, but if you can't, I, okay." Like. Try not to, but if it's vital that you need to lose it, then fine. And then the last one that we see is all of his memories of Aaron, and he is like, nope, keep that. Absolutely, that needs to stay. It is super, super vital. I was going to say, I don't really think that's how memory works, but that's fine. It's sci-fi, which basically means it's magic, but with fake technology. Exactly. So speaking of fake technology, back back in Moya... Zan is like, so I guess everyone's heading out to do their thing now, so it's just you and me, pilot, since I told the Leviathan god that I'd take care of you, and then I burned you. And Stark's like, uh, excuse me? Me? Stark? I know I've only been back for, like, a few episodes, but, you know, I could also be here with you, and you could be the mommy, (laughs) and I could be the daddy that live inside our giant space whale baby. And Zan's like, that would be nice, I would like that. That's what happens. So finally, Rigel is meeting up with the Igor to, you know, get his ship and get off the planet. And, you know, they're all really sad about everything that happened and Aaron dying. Rigel seems to have gained a whole bunch of humility this episode. He also seems like he's maybe kind of given up on reclaiming his throne. He did put his, like, Hynerian Dominar emblem thing in Aaron's pod with her which is like yeah that aaron's death hit him really hard we were joking about how aaron would definitely shoot him before but no that death hit him hard so chiana's kind of role-playing out a very creepy scenario with jothy except jothy's an adult jothy is an adult but it has real creepy vibes to it well you know they're Look, Jothi's an adult, Chiana is still young and free and wants to run around, and so it's not that her relationship with Dargo was age-inappropriate, but Dargo wants to, like, settle down and do stuff. It makes more sense for her to make out with Jothi, which they almost do, but then Dargo comes in. And is like, oh, hey, here you are, the two people I care about most in the world! We should figure out what we're gonna do, the three of us! 
So Scorpius arrives on the ice planet and he like infiltrates it while the diagnostician is in the operating chamber and is unaware. And then he burps in the diet. He, he, he says, hey, I know you're the guy who installed my freezer hole. So thanks for that. And then he burps in his face and kills him. Uh, before he does that, the doctor's like, okay, John, we are right at the point where I'm going to take out the chip, but it is right next to your speech center. So I'm going to have to cut a really important part of your brain and then fix it after the fact. So you can't talk now. And the chip is out. And, oh, now I'm dead. And you are strapped to a table, unable to talk. Wah, wah. Yeah. And Scorpius is like, oh, the chip, I've been looking for that. Really didn't seem super necessary to kill the doctor, but okay, dude. I, he's a villain. It's what villains do. I, this kind of sounds weird, but I really like the death noise the doctor makes. The kind of, like, distressed sigh. Mm, yeah. Honestly, I like, I, I was going to talk about this later, but I like all of the way they do the doctor's language. The kind of, like, chirpiness of the language. It feels, I mean, I, I guess this is sort of to be assumed, but it feels really alien, and I like that. And it feels uniquely alien, like, an alien in a way that you don't see all the time. Mm. Not just forehead ridges. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the things I really respect about Farscape. They're not just forehead ridges all the time. Anyway, John strapped to the table, can't talk. Scorpius has the chip, and he's like, haha, you know what, John? I'm just gonna leave you here alive, because that seems funnier than anything else. And end of season! That has to be, like... They have movies in space, right? Come on, Scorpius. I know, I know. Come on. Oh, I like the idea, though, that Scorpius doesn't realize what a mistake that is. And then, like, he gets back to his ship and he's downloading all the information from the chip. And he downloads, like, all of American pop culture and is like, oh, he gets to the Bond movies and he's like, oh, shit. Oh, Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have done that. All right, so that will do it for this episode. And that will do it for this season. And this is the episode I have mentioned on episodes prior where we finished the season and I was like, well, I need the season three DVDs. And I had to drive like to a town two hours away to buy them because I was not going to wait a single day. I mean, you, you get that, right? I understand the impulse, not particularly for this episode i was a lot less emotionally involved in it than you were but i'm sorry that's okay <laughs> that's okay also i know it really got you but the image of aaron in the giant armchair falling into the ice just the the whole armchair thing kind of killed it for me drama wise it just took me out of the moment Oh, see, that's interesting because I actually do have a little bit, just a tiny bit, just a touch, a touch of a fear of flying. Mm -hmm. So when she braces herself the same way that you would brace yourself in an airplane crash, that like hits some like nerve in my hippocampus. Mm. So, I, and I guess if that's not a particular stressor for you. Mm. I mean, I don't love flying or anything, but yeah, I, I. I like this episode okay. It's it's not my favorite. It's not... Honestly, I, I feel like just coming off of that really perfect bank heist, that kind of killed the 
episodes that followed for me. Yeah, it honestly, set the bar way too high. Yeah, Liars, Guns, and Money Part One could have been its own episode. And you pointed out when we were watching the episode, we could have gone straight from Liars, Guns, and Money Part One to this. And I think you might have liked this episode better if we had, because we wouldn't have been cooling our jets, no pun intended, for two episodes. Mm. But that is season two. Season three we'll do next time. And the description from Amazon Prime for the next episode is Scorpius attempts to escape with the neural chip as crew of, as, as crew of Moya. As crew of Moya tries to rescue Crichton from the Ice Planet Lab. And this is the last Xana episode, I'm assuming? Uh, no. We have, uh, Zan, Zan will not leave until episode four of season three. Mm. And then, for our listeners, episode five of season three is Different Destinations. That's, that's the one with the, that's the one with the time travel. Ah. So, we have some segments. Yes, we do. Let's get to those segments. Our first segment is A Distant Part of the Universe, which is what world building worked for you. I feel like this always gets folded into our second segment. Strange alien creatures. But I really, I know I compared them to Litigaria, the worst thing in Farscape by quite a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. But I do really like the alienness of the doctor species yeah I, everything about the doctor species i think is incredible like I, I like the smelling disease thing the the carapace which we didn't mention this but it's you know it's mechanical so it like telescopes in and out and the language i and the makeup it's i just everything about that species is really well done they were not phoning it in when they did that yes Unlike on the day that they created the Skeksis race, where they were like, eh, yeah. we have a Skeksis puppet, let's use that! We already had the puppets, eh. Uh, so, for me, I feel like the thing that sticks in my head really strongly, and I don't know if this really counts as world building, but god, when they take off the top of John's head and we see the way the chip has, like, reached its tendrils into his brain, that that is an image that sticks with me. Very different from Spike's chip and Buffy. Yes. Where it's just a little thing buried in the folds of his brain. Yeah, no, this is, this is reached out and, yeah, taken over. And it's, it's, it kind of has this weird thing where it is kind of greasy and oily, but also plant-like. Mm. I... Yeah, that's the the way the chip operates for me is the distant part of the universe. And then, of course, we've covered the diagnostician and what a great alien that is. Yeah. And then our final segment, which I've definitely previewed what mine is, and I guess I may have previewed a little what yours is, as in nothing, <laughs> but is looking for a way home, which is what resonated with you in this episode. Okay, yours was clearly Aaron's death and or funeral. Yeah. Yes, both. Oh, my God. And we didn't mention it, but uh, during Aaron's funeral, there's a shot of Pilot on the ship. And just, like, the fact that they could make that puppet look so sad without giving it any lines is just amazing puppetry. Great puppet work. <laughs> uh, I do actually have one for this. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, John telling the doctor that he wasn't willing to give up his memories of Aaron. Oh. That was the moment where I connected with it. 
which because Aaron's death stuff aggressively didn't land for me. Like, I I don't know. I don't know because fictional characters' deaths get me. Like, the body is like oh. I can think about the body and start welling up. Like, fictional character deaths get to me. This just feels really not sticky. It's like when Xena dies in Xena, and you're like, okay, but we've got a few more seasons of Xena left. I'm sure she will be back. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You have seen, if nothing else, the DVD covers. Yes. So I think that does it for us this week. That should about do it. All right. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I love TV zines on Twitter or at I love television zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs> <laughs>